Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Does anyone have any problems that they brought with them to church today? Anything that's been weighing on you that may be distracting you from the liturgy this morning? Kids? Is there anything that makes it hard to think about God right now? No, school just started. Are we worried about school? Excited about school? What about friends? New friends, old friends? Yeah? You haven't started school yet, but it's coming. Are you thinking about it? Okay, good. That's good. It's good to be excited about school. It's good to be excited about learning things. I was not always excited about school. Sometimes school stressed me out as a kid. Mostly because uh, I didn't like waking up early and then having to go and sit in a classroom and then having to follow bells around and fight kids in the hallway. If you don't have to do that, that's great. But that was a source of stress for me. Bigger kids, though? Anything we brought with us today? Stress, anxieties, problems? We bring all that with us when we come to church, whether we mean to or not. As soon as we wake up, they tend to flood in, and we bring them here. And they weigh on our minds. But we are all here right now, in this moment, at church. We're not at school. We're not at work. We're not anywhere else but here. And like the disciples on the Mountain of Transfiguration, it is good for us to be here. Today we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord before his disciples on the mountain, where they saw him shining with light right in front of their eyes. The story is recorded in all the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it's in Luke's account uniquely that there's a small detail recorded that the disciples, Peter, James, and John, were heavy with sleep. Jesus had taken up the three disciples with him onto a mountain to pray, but they were tired. I imagine it was a lot of work to be with Jesus, to be his disciple, especially at this point in his ministry, when literal crowds of hundreds or thousands are following you around, everyone seeking a miracle or to be fed or more ominously to do Jesus harm. I'm sure the weight of that responsibility, especially for this inner three, Jesus' very closest and most trusted disciples, would catch up with them as soon as they stood still and stopped moving. And here on this mountain where they had gone to pray, probably late at night or very early in the morning, as Jesus was wont to do, everything that was weighing on the disciples was translated to the weight of sleep. They were exhausted. Luke tells us they were heavy with sleep. But something roused them. They became fully awake, St. Luke says, because they saw the vision of Jesus shining with his divine uncreated light, transforming his face to look like the brightness of the sun, and even his clothes to be wider than they had the words to describe. They weren't seeing Jesus as purely divine, as the Son of God in his unmediated divinity as before the creation of the world. Instead, they were seeing that divinity shining through the human nature that he had put on, the human nature that Peter and James and John saw and touched and talked with and ate with every day. This was still the Jesus that they knew, but transfigured to show them how fully the humanity of Jesus 
was joined with the divinity of Yahweh. In that moment, seeing the brightness there before them, all of their heaviness was gone, and they were fully awake, fully attentive. They saw, joining Jesus, the glorified Moses and Elijah, or Elias in the Greek or Latin uh, pronunciation. And they were talking about the exodus, which Jesus was about to accomplish. A lot of translations say they were discussing his departure, or in the KJV language, his decease, which in context, of course, means his upcoming death. Jesus was very close to going to Jerusalem and being put to death. But the Greek word that's used is exedon, exodus. And this was on purpose. We're supposed to realize that what Moses was a part of in leading the Hebrews out of Egypt way back when, through the deadly waters of the sea and into freedom, and eventually finally into the promised land, is merely an image, a shadow of what Jesus was about to accomplish in passing through death to free humanity from the bonds of death and hell, and into the freedom of paradise, and finally into a new heavens and earth. And what Elijah accomplished as the prophet challenging a wicked king and queen and who purged Israel from the priests and prophets of the false god Baal was merely a shadow of what Christ was about to accomplish in his resurrection and ascension by overthrowing the authority of all false gods and evil spirits in the cosmos and by becoming the king of kings when he attained his throne. These two men, Moses and Elijah, had both encountered God on a holy mountain, having experienced his glory, as they were doing now. Moses being said to have spoken with Yahweh face to face, and Elijah hearing the true voice of the Lord. Remember, it wasn't in the strong whirlwind or the earthquake or any of that. It was in the small voice, the still voice, the intentional voice of the Lord. And here again, now with Jesus, uh, the disciples see that they are joining in with this tradition of encountering God on a holy mountain with Moses and Elijah to see the face of God shining in the face of Jesus and to hear the true voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. All things were being recapitulated before their eyes. The law and the prophets had been their touch point and treasured scriptures all their whole lives. And Jesus had told them that all of the law and the prophets were summed up in this one maxim, love God with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And here in front of them, they actually see it. The law in the figure of Moses and the prophets in the figure of Elijah, both look to and are now subordinate to their fulfillment. Jesus, who loves his father perfectly and loves his neighbors perfectly. And Peter realized, Lord, it is good for us to be here. But then his mouth kept running. He suggested setting up tents or tabernacles, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for Jesus. Now this idea wasn't completely out of left field. He knew that they were on a holy mountain. He knew that the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, where Moses first regularly met with God, was first set up at Sinai. He wanted to continue to commune. Jesus didn't rebuke him um, like he had recommended something bad, like Jesus had done when Peter recommended not going to Jerusalem, where he said, get behind me, deceiver, Satan. That was the wrong thing. This isn't wrong or bad necessarily. Jesus just didn't answer him here because what Peter was suggesting was inordinate. It just wasn't fitting for what was actually happening at this moment. 
Because instead of a tabernacle to dwell in, the glory cloud of God surrounded them. And they dwelt there in the glory of God. Like Moses had entered into on the summit of Sinai. Remember Moses entered into the cloud? Like filled the temple so that the priests couldn't minister when they first consecrated the temple in Jerusalem. This cloud of bright darkness, which reveals but also hides, descended on them. Remember the, the gospel says that it was a bright cloud, but it overshadowed them. There's this dual character of the cloud of glory, which shines light and reveals things to us, but it also hides from us that which is wicked or evil or hides us within it from those who can't perceive the goodness and glory of God. This majestic, strange cloud overshadows them. And it replaces the heaviness of their sleep with the weight of glory as it descends. And it puts their focus entirely on Jesus, as did the voice of the Father. In fact, this is a Trinitarian theophany with Jesus there, the Father's voice, and the Spirit surrounding them in the form of this cloud of glory. Much like at the baptism of Jesus, another Trinitarian theophany. Remember where Jesus is there? We hear the voice of the Father and we see the Spirit descending on them, not as a cloud of glory, but as in the form of a dove. Because in his baptism, he consecrated the waters of the world to communicate to those who would be baptized into him the saving effects of his exodus, i.e. his death and resurrection, which he was about to accomplish. So all of these truths, all of this glory, the disciples saw and heard and experienced because they were awake. They had come to the holy mountain and put off the heaviness of sleep, the weight of all that they had carried with them up the mountain. Today, here, in this place, you have ascended a mountain. This is a holy mountain. And here on this holy mountain, we've come to experience the vision of Christ. The vision of Christ is offered to us here in the scriptures, in the prayers and the propers of the mass, and crucially, in the blessed sacrament of the altar, where we are invited to behold the Lamb of God. What do we do before we partake? We behold. And whereas at that earlier time, it was unfitting to build a tabernacle for the divine presence because Jesus himself was the tabernacling presence of God, of Yahweh, walking around as a man among men. As we'll hear in our last gospel, the presence of God came and dwelt, tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus. But now after his resurrection and ascension, it is fitting to have a tabernacle. We have built a tabernacle, the sacrament, uh, tabernacles here on the altar. But even more importantly, once we receive it today, it will tabernacle within us. And as walking tabernacles, we can then bring the presence down the mountain and out into the world. We can, with him inside us, love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's a high calling indeed, because what are ourselves, if not images of God now actually indwelt by him? So be awake to the vision right now. Whatever other heaviness you have, whatever else is weighing on your mind, put it off. Whatever else we've brought with us, set it aside and attend to the glory of God, the vision of his truth and goodness and beauty. Be present because it is good that we are here.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.